I am Joan Hogan, and I'm welcoming you to the Prairie Dac radio program. Dr. Holm, our Prairie Dac, is in the studio right now, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Uh, Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, and he's also a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan. So what was that fabulous singer that was just on as we... as before we came on. Sam Cooke? Sam you know, Cook. what a fabulous musician. But what a strange life story he had. What was that? Well, story? he was a gospel singer to start with. He sang with a group called the Soul Stirs. And he thought, you know, I can't make any money doing this, so I'm going to cross over and be an R&B guy. And he was extremely popular. Shot to death, chasing a hooker through the lobby of a New York hotel who had stolen his pants. The night clerk drilled him. And that's that's how he met the his The night aunt, clerk drilled him? Who happened to be a lady of Filipino extraction. Yep. He was chasing? A hooker who a stole hooker. his pants. So why did, why did the person kill him? Beats the dick is out of me. I guess the lady that he was chasing was screaming, and they thought they that she thought was, was being him. attacked or someone. And anyway, yeah, that's... Isn't this sometimes strange to reality us. is stranger than what you can write, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And it truly but is. There it yeah. is. But I do love Sam Cooke. He has a voice like no one else. Oh, man. I mean, that last song. I mean, he just lilted his yeah. way through the... He did. Lilted? Lilted. Lilted his way through. You know, wow. He's just got a great voice. <laughs> yeah. He really does. Fabulous. Speaking of great voices, our, um, our hopeful spirit chorale sang last night at a, a, pl- a home. Actually, it was in an apartment complex, and the whole apartment complex, uh, or many of them, were there. And, uh, gee, I think we had 22 singers. And uh, we sang a mixture. We didn't completely put away our Christmas music. We had some Christmas music. Oh, it's still December. You could certainly keep singing Christmas music. You know, 12 Days of Christmas and all that, you know. But um, And then some hymns. Oh my gosh, that group sings well. It is such a joy to uh, to be in a group. And we're done, you know, we start at seven and we're done at eight. I mean, it's a quick little ditty and it's an, uh, just a gift. It's a gift back. And so anyway, we... It's really a gift to the people that you bring that music to. I'm oh, sure they just well, love it. Pff, can't beat it. You know, the, the, <laughs> it's, the joy is in the giving. Let me yeah. put it that way. It, what a, you know, it's one of those deals. So, um, and that's what this whole season is about. If you look at the, I I talked with a friend uh, on the internet this morning, a physician who who had uh, fought against uh, incompetent uh, uh, and uh, unjust physician who is out there uh, and... uh, did his best to say, you know, we have to please ourselves. This is bad. It's going on. You cannot continue. And the long and the short of it is, and I don't want to get into the, any of the politics, and I'm not going to give any names or anything, but uh, my friend lost his job, moved to a different place, has another job. I mean, there's no problem with this guy. He's a competent physician. Um, but he lost his retirement benefits, you know, as he had to move because he spoke up against uh, an established person who, um, and so, you know, this happens that a person uh, who fights for doing the right thing sometimes gets it in the shorts. And uh, 
uh, I thought about this, I, and it's really true. I mean, the, this is a this is a very ethical person who fought to do the right thing and lost money out of the deal, you know. And, and I said, "Gee, you know, is it? Are you going to have enough money um, to to retire eventually?" Well, yes, he'll have plenty of money to retire, and he'll still do fine. Although there, he was, a, he lost a significant chunk of change, of course. Well, will you do you sleep well at night? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, you know, you you we need to stand for what is right, and you need to face it. And you know, it isn't the money in life. I mean, of course, you know, you need to have a certain amount of money to be able to survive and have food on the table, as my parents used to say. My dad would say, at least there's food on the table. And the point is that. Um, what matters in life and it isn't co- collecting the most money it's not selling your soul you don't want to sell your soul i mean there it is that's a real deal and he's sleeping much better knowing that he did not sell his soul he no. stood up for what was right yes yeah. and so i think that's, that's commendable that's commendable and you know you we need to you, know, you look at medicine in general because this is the medical radio show right um the there are always a bad apple. There's no matter how good the the collection of apples were that year, <laughs> there can be a bad apple in every barrel. You know that's all there is to it. There's going to be bad apples, and we, as a profession of physicians, uh, sh- could and should do better at uh, making sure that the apples are all good. And, uh, and you, know, you won't yeah. appreciate my grandson's comment. What's My that? grandson said, I got a joke, Grandma. What do you call the worst student with the worst grades in med school? Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was really funny. I don't know. I bet you've heard that before, Doctor. Hope. I've heard the last guy in class. You last know, the guy very, in class. The very last guy. What do you call him, Doctor? You call him Doctor. Well, fortunately, in our town of Brookings, we have doctors that we're proud to call doctors, and I'm working <laughs> with one of them, and we're going to take a break now, and we'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Holm is here ready to answer your questions. And you weren't aware of it, Dr. Holm, but before you came in, we got a call. And uh, someone called and wanted to know, what do you think of people using mineral oil for intestinal lubricant? Right. So that's a good uh, and important question. Um, I, I have to say that mineral oil does work as a laxative. A lot of people for many years used mineral oil, oral mineral oil, drinking a, a tablespoon or two of mineral oil as a laxative. It's not absorbed, right? So it lubricates the GI tract. <clears throat> Problem is that people who started doing that, they, they started doing this in the 50s and 60s. I think it might have been earlier, but um, it's sort of like uh, eating Vaseline or... Um, Eating? Well, it's it's mineral oil. Oh, it's, I guess it it's, is. It's it's oil. It's it's maybe clarified, but it's not natural oil. It's mineral oil. It's made from gasoline or petroleum. It's petroleum. Okay. So okay, but but let me just say, I mean, it's purified and it doesn't seem to do too much, except it there is a if you accidentally inhale it. And if you look at the people who are constipated, who are they? 
they're elderly people. And it's amazing the number of people who are elderly. Even us young people, occasionally, uh, food will go down the wrong pipe. So uh, what happens if mineral oil goes down the wrong pipe? It destroys the lung. It is toxic to the lung. Ah. And so um, although mineral oil can um, uh, work, uh, and you might, if you did it very, very carefully, and you made sure that you didn't inhale it, many people do, but if you made sure you didn't, on a short-term basis, taking something that has been processed from uh, oil from the ground that was originally, you know, dinosaurs and ferns and all that, you know, it's, it's organic, but still in an indirect way, it's petroleum. The answer is, I wouldn't recommend it. And would so not. I do not recommend it. Uh, you could probably, it could work on a short-term basis, but there's danger, too much danger. And so my answer is, instead, Miralax. Uh, Miralax uh, also, uh, it sounds, if you look at it, like a mineral oil compound. Uh, the truth of the matter is it's safe, and it is a, an osmotic um, uh, uh, laxative, not a stimulant laxative. I am a favor. I'm in favor of osmotic laxatives. My favorite is stool softener, one to three, once or twice a day, without laxatives. They they add a stimulant laxative with it sometimes. Don't get the one that has a stimulant laxative in it. Not Colace Plus. Not Surfact Plus. Not um, forget the pluses. Forget the pluses. Just um, just get docusate sodium. Without cassandrothal, without senna, without the stimulant laxative, and one to three twice, a, once or twice a day, and if you're still having trouble, add Miralax, and that will make a a rock have a bowel movement. You know what I mean? It <laughs> just is. It will move it. It it'll do. do well, it. I was sure you were going to say, but the best thing is ground flaxseed, but you well, didn't say that. No, no, that's the the order of my recommendation for constipation is number one, a tablespoon of ground flaxseed every day. Number two, um, the flaxseed and stool softener. Number three, the flaxseed, stool softener, and Miralax in wow. that order. I mean, you, you, you add the, and the, the nice thing about flaxseed is it has oil in it, right? Icosapentanoic acid, right? It's got the, it's got the mineral oil, com, you know, kind of a Part thing. Part of the flaxseed. In the flaxseed that's safe. And um, and then you add the the docusate sodium, the so stool softener, and if that's not enough, you add a rescue Miralax period, and get the generic uh, Miralax. This generic, I mean, there's a generic box. It's um, well, you can check at your pharmacy. Yeah, you, you go to the Miralax, and you right next to it is the just is the like Miralax. <laughs> okay, all right, Miralax, uh, the um, stool softener, and ground flaxseed. Right. And boy, okay. that really that does really the help. trick. Well, this is our day for calls. We had another call come in while you were discussing that. And this person would like to know about Benadryl and sleeping pills. Do you think it's safe or is it good to take Benadryl as a sleeping pill at night? Right. And the answer is Benadryl is discouraged by the, um, by the beers list. Beers list is the list of drugs that uh, should be avoided 
Uh, it's made by a group of experts who've been drinking too much beer, I think, for the most part, <laughs> because they they disapprove of some of the medicines that I think are reasonable if used correctly. Um, because they don't add on the list many things that could be toxic to the elderly population. So they're saying these could be dangerous to the elderly, and, and Benadryl's on that list. Um, uh, here's my experience with Benadryl. Uh, it's in almost every nighttime cold medicine. It's on, you, you get it added for Tylenol with Benadryl, and it's called PM. nighttime Tylenol, yeah, Tylenol PM. PM. Right. Uh, if it isn't Benadryl, it's something very close to it. It's an antihistamine that makes you tired. And um, here's the expert opinion about the antihistamines as a regular uh, a pill. It is tachyphylactic. The word tachyphylactic, it means that it works the first time, it kind of works the second time, it's less effective the third time, it doesn't work on the fourth time, but if you stop it, then you have withdrawal problems. I mean, that's the, the other drugs that are tachyphylactic are heroin and all the narcotics, you know, um, Valium and all of the benzodiazepines. All of those have withdrawal, pain with withdrawal, anxiety withdrawal and, and the uh, stimulant laxatives are tachyphylactic. You have, they, they work less and less effectively and as you use them, and then when you stop them, you have withdrawal constipation, for example. So that's why I avoid things that have tachyphylaxis. And so it is with Benadryl. It doesn't work every night. If you use it every night, it'll lose its effectiveness. If you use it once or twice a week, it's probably okay if you're careful. The, well, what else about, what? but it's better than the benzos is what my comment is. It's better than Ambien or any of the benzodiazepines that have withdrawal, severe withdrawal sleeplessness. So you can't get off of them. Uh, so what do I recommend? I, I think that the very best option of it is a prescription uh, trazodone. Uh, and it is by nature a antidepressant in the antidepressant group in a higher dose you use it at a relatively low dose and it's safe in the nursing home for the people who are the most sensitive that have the most problem with sleep is it how about safe for people who are uh, stressed and in their middle ages or younger people who are you know well the most common cause of sleeplessness is depression the side effect of trazodone is oh it helps the depression but that's not why I prescribe it. I, if I want an antidepressant, I use another medicine. But I use trazodone because it doesn't cause depression like the benzodiazepines. And it doesn't cause falling and lose its effectiveness like Benadryl. Now, that was a long answer for a simple question. but the Well, it answered the question. So if this person is using Benadryl, you know, maybe once or twice a week. Probably okay. That might be all right, but don't think you're going to use it every night. Right. It's not going to work every night. You'll It'll lose its effect. Now, people who use Tylenol PM, quote unquote, get some effect because sometimes they're having aches and pains. They take a little Tylenol at night and then they do okay. The problem with Tylenol is that it is tachyphylactic for pain. People who have chronic pain syndrome have rebound pain when they don't take Tylenol. And so the migraine headache experts say Tylenol has more rebound headache problem than does ibuprofen, which surprises me because 
I had always thought that the the non-steroidals were worse than the, the Tylenol, but Tylenol is tachyphylactic as well. So darn it, there's not a lot of good medicine for chronic pain. And certainly uh, uh, people who use Tylenol at night, sometimes one Tylenol or two Tylenol at night, well, that might be enough. That works okay. Pretty safe. Not a bad idea, but not a great idea because uh, like everything, there's a complication there's with medicine. A side effect. I like the best. Here's the best medicine. A regular exercise program. I know program. what the answer to that is. Because <laughs> that helps. If that helps people sleep. If you're uh, you're physically active, then you're tired at night and you go to sleep. Good point. On that note, we're going to take a break. <laughs> we'll be back right after these. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Rick Holm is here, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. We appreciate the calls that have come in, 692-1430. We still have time to cover a few more calls before the half hour is out. Can, can I whack, wax, uh, whack a little bit more? Wax or wax? Wax away. <laughs> wax <laughs> a little bit more on the, the, the word tachyphylactic or tachyphylaxis. You know, I don't remember you mentioning that word before. Ever? You've never well, heard tachyphylaxis? Well, maybe you have, but it might have been but in one ear and out the next. Yeah, so. well, I, it... I. It means that you have losing effectiveness on a medication, and when you stop it, you have rebound whatever it is that you were using it for. The biggest example is narcotics. Uh, they, if you go up on the, you, to have a powerful effect for pain, oftentimes you have to gradually increase. You have to increase the medicine. Uh, to keep it working. And if you're caring for a person terminal cancer, oftentimes we crank that pen medicine up and then it's not enough. So we go another level and then it's not enough and we go another level knowing full well that they're on the on their dying days and we don't care. We just keep going on higher to dose. keep them out of pain. Uh, right? There is lower doses that you can maintain that seems to cut something. There's something more than just that tachyphylaxis. But still narcotics does it give you another example of one that I thought was kind of interesting and that is um, a caffeine uh, you know you, you sometimes you get used to it right you get used to it uh, give you another example uh, uh, diuretics now I have a ton of people on diuretics and they work and they maintain it's not completely tachyphylaxis but I can tell you that if you stop a diuretic on a person whose blood pressure is getting lower or who's um, no longer needs the diuretic or uh, who uh, is going to uh, use a support hose and like to get off the pills and so you stop it uh, occasionally I do that uh, they retain water for about three weeks until they get back into balance. Because the medicine was making sure that they didn't retain water, and once they went off it, mm -hmm. it took a while for their whole system to balance back. Right. I'll but it was safe. It was safe, and it works. But when you stop a diuretic, there's a, it, the body seems to hold on to it. I'll give you two more examples. Vitamin C, and another example is... Um, uh, Prilosec or omeprazole or Prevacid or all of the anti-acid medicines. So let's take vitamin, vitamin C. Vitamin C is that particular entity that keeps you from getting what, Bob? If you're a sailor and, and there's problems. Scurvy. Scurvy. There it is. Scurvy. So a person 
who's out on the ocean for too long and has no fruit and no vitamin C will get diarrhea, dementia, weakness, profound weakness, and uh, you're not a very good fighter in the French or the Spanish uh, uh, armada, right? You know, the, 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 those particular sailors get pretty doggone weak when, they, when they're vitamin C deficient and they have scurvy. So the people who figured that one out is from England, and those limeys, they kept from getting scurvy by taking a lime every week. I mean, it didn't take much vitamin C to prevent scurvy. They would, um, they would. They uh, ruled the world. They ruled the world. <laughs> they did. took over the English. Just or because the, of a little lime. Uh, huh? Just a lime a, uh, a week or so. So anyway, the, the, the point I'm making about vitamin C is if you're taking vitamin C every day, every day, every, every day, you know, your body doesn't have to work very hard to get the vitamin C because they've got tons of it coming in. All you need was a lime a week, right? So you don't need much unless you're trying to prevent urinary tract infections, which is another story. So people who are on vitamin C from me to acidify their urine so they don't get urinary infections is another story. But back to vitamin C. So if you're taking vitamin C every day and you're, okay, I'm going to get off of this, right? You stop vitamin C, there's data to show that in the next week or so, you'll get rebound scurvy. Even though you might be, might be getting a uh, fruit, you know, getting a, half, a lime every, every week, you haven't, had to need, you haven't had to work for it. So it takes you about a month or so to rebound, to get back to grabbing onto the vitamin C that comes past your gut. You know what I mean? So my point is, you know, tachyphylaxis is everywhere. Uh, you get adjusted. Your body adjusts to the environment in which it is. What is the next one? Omeprazole or Prilosec, the powerful proton pump inhibitors that prevent you from getting heartburn and re reflux esophagitis. One of the most wonderful medicines that we've come upon that's able to help people who, who were prior to this disabled and couldn't eat and the reflux brought on cancer of the esophagus and, I mean, all sorts Horrible of problems. Things, right? Horrible things. What a wonderful invention uh, and, or discovery to, to, to know how to block the proton pumps that make acid and to decrease the acidity in the, in the gut. But the interesting thing is, it's tachyphylactic. So what do I mean by that? So here's the story. People, they were studying who had um, reflux. They had to study the people who didn't have reflux. So they studied all these people who had no problems whatsoever with heartburn or reflux or hyperacidity symptoms at all. They're doing fine. But they're on Prilosec um, for a period of a month and no problem. So it's a placebo control to make sure that the, that the omeprazole or Prilosec doesn't cause problems, right? Got it. They stop it and they get reflux esophagitis and heartburn. And never had it and before. And never had it before. Just because they were taking the proton pump inhibitor. Pump now, what inhibitor. does that mean? Okay, so I'm a, I I have a patient in the hospital comes in and they're they have severe burns, right? Or they're stressed out by a heart attack, or they're stressed out by pneumonia, or they're on all these drugs because you're trying to save them from this or that. And automatically in the hospital, many times people will put them on a proton pump inhibitor to keep them from having a stress ulcer, which can really happen, right? So. They get better. Now they're on omeprazole or Prilosec or Prevacid or one of those. And, well, you send them home and 
stop the Prosec. Boom, they have rebound hyperacidity. Or you don't stop the Prilosec. They're coming, well, how, why am I taking this drug? I mean, I'm, I'm on this drug and this drug, and I've gone on too many drugs. Let me just quit them. Okay, well, let's get off of Prilosec. I can tell you the answer. The answer is you have to taper very slowly so they don't get rebound hyperacidity. And the studies say, how long, uh, you know, how long do you have to make that taper? And the answer is three months. Months? Really? And then you don't have that rebound. Three months, though. Boy, that's a long time. So the complexity of all, all of this uh, makes you think, got to be careful with medicines. We're so fortunate to have the medicines we have, but also so frightened by them, right? Yes. Yeah. We're going to take a final break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Joan Hogan. Rick Holm has been answering questions and telling us an awful lot about tachyphylaxis. Yeah, tachyphylaxis. That's it. Okay. Well, you learn something new every day, Dr. Holm. And listening to this show, I feel like I do learn something new every day. I do. Wasn't that new? Hadn't you heard? You've heard that Oh, you probably mentioned the term, but it just... Bob, but you know everything. I mean, no, I don't. You don't. No. Bob knows I know so ana- much. Anaphylactic, but I don't recall. Anaphylaxis. Um, yeah. No, I don't either. All right. <laughs> I can tell a quick anaphylactic story. Oh, we're dying to sure. hear that one. <laughs> Go for it. It's like a fast joke or whatever. No. <laughs> no. So what is it you call the guy? And uh, never mind. That was a oh. joke earlier. <laughs> Go for it, Rick. So, um, so I'm story. attending in the uh, in the walk-in clinic at Grady Hospital. And uh, and one of the interns, Bill Bria, who was on my in my barbershop quartet, we had a barbershop quartet <laughs> back then. Bill Bria uh, came running uh, or, or uh, told the nurse to go get the attending and get the crash cart because something's happening to his patient that he had just given a penicillin shot to. So the nurse comes running into my office and said, Dr. Holm, you better hurry because there's something happening over in Area C. So we ran over to Area C, and there is Bill Bria and the man laying down there uh, flat on his back, um, and the, it's interesting. The nurse had seen him sitting out in the waiting room, and he was kind of acting really weird. And she said, "Come in here and sit in this chair so I can watch you because you're acting funny." And then he sat down on uh, on the floor, sitting oh. there on the floor. Something's wrong here, and then he's laying down on the floor. And I'm looking at him, and Bill's there, and we're getting an adrenaline shot because we think that this is an allergic reaction to penicillin. And the man. Uh, got a weird look in his eye, and he looked over, and he saw a wastebasket. So he sat up to vomit into the wastebasket. You could see he was losing it, right? And the moment he sat up, you could see the pressure. is just like a draining right out of him. You know, it's sort of like the water draining out of something. Suddenly, as he'd be, he just turned white and then f- slammed his head back on passed the floor out. as he passed, completely passed out. Wow. He had no blood pressure. We called him a code, and we dragged his body into one of the examining rooms and uh, began CPR and injected adrenaline uh, under his tongue because that's where you can get the adrenaline to his body fastest as you can. And then we gave him Benadryl, <laughs> which was not effective because it doesn't have en- enough time to work. It Tachyphylaxis doesn't work. And we started an IV fluid. And got him back. And the next two weeks later, he came in and shook my hand and thanked me for saving his life. (laughs) But what was it? Penicillin allergy. An anaphylactic reaction to penicillin. Isn't that amazing? We used to give a lot of penicillin shots. That was the last time I ever 
allowed it in the clinic there. And uh, last time I ever gave a penicillin shot, I am uh, in a uh, situation like that for a sore throat. Dangerous thing to do, right? Yeah. Okay, well, we have run out of time today, but we hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. But it'll be next year that you bother listening to us. Yes. Happy New Year to all of you. This is our last program of 2015. Well, Happy New Year to you, Joan, and to Bob, and to all you out there, and Happy New Year, and stay healthy this year, okay?